Today on the ZabeCast, the NFL Week 18 schedule is out, and there's a lot of chicken counting going on. Oh, of course this team's going to beat those guys. They've got nothing to play for. Famous, dreaded last words. Plus, some fascinating records are falling around the league. And guess who's got it better than him? Nobody. Your 35-minute dose of uncensored me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Thank you for downloading. It's just me today. I think Tuesdays will be solo cast days. I have a lot to say, and you're going to hear it. Well, if you download and listen, that is. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback saying, you know what, once a week, Zabe, you alone is actually quite good. And I have kind of realized, thinking about the podcast, I'm like, you know, I don't mind having people on, but there's a lot of things I'm leaving on the table, things that I want to talk about. And some set pieces, as I call them, which require a touch of research, that should lead the podcast. So let's lead with this set piece that took about, oh, about an hour of research. No big deal, but I did grind away at this. So the Packers are four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Lions on Sunday night. And, of course, the NFL has put them on Sunday night. Hey, I, I thought we had a policy that teams that had their games that could be affected by yeah, it's, uh, it's like Parlay in the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie where Johnny Depp's uh, uh, character would keep saying Parlay, which means, okay, don't kill me. You caught me, but it just arrest me. Parlay, I surrender. And the running joke in the movie was, ah, it is more of a guideline, not a rule. So this guideline of, well, you should play the Seahawks game against the Rams opposite the Packers and Lions because if the Seahawks win, the Lions know that they're out, so what would they have to play for if they played three hours later? Well, that's, I guess, a guideline and not a rule because the NFL, which is what, kids? A television show about quarterbacks could not resist for its season finale. The... um final game of the year, which is, I think I said yesterday here on the podcast, it's game 256. Now that each team plays 17 games, uh, how many total games per year in NFL? Uh, 272 is now the number. 272 is the new number, and therefore, of course, 256 plus 16, 66, carry the one divided by pi, 66. Yeah, I could have done that myself in my head, but I'm an idiot. Uh, Game 272, which is the cliffhanger, season finale, they were not going to ignore week 18 at Lambeau Field at night. They just weren't. So welcome back, Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, and Melissa Stark. I will be there to finish out our live attendance of an entire season of home games for the Green Bay Packers. It'll be the first time in my life that I've gone to all eight home games of any NFL team. And I got to say, I've come to enjoy it in a way that for a good stretch of games this year, I'll be perfectly honest, I'm like, oh, God, I wish I was on the couch right now. I've come to enjoy the routine of it. I've come to enjoy knowing some of the people there week after week. I kind of enjoy the long arc of the NFL season. 
for example, outside the practice facility at uh, Lambeau Field, Hinkle Field, uh, in the Don Hudson Center, I was walking to the car with Josh last night as we did ail it, and I said, look, there's snow on the ground there. We used to be standing out in the blazing hot middle of July sun. It was warm the week we were up there for camp, even for Green Bay standards. And I'm like, now there's just a there's just a cold, dirty snowbank there. I love that the season begins in the heat of summer and ends in the bone rattling cold. It's so cool from a a romantic standpoint. Let's put it that way. Anyway, we'll be there for the game, final game of the year, final Lambo game of the year because they cannot play or host a playoff game. They're the seven seed if they get in, if they win, which is the subject and the focus of today's podcast. Why on earth? Let's say that the Seahawks take care of business against the Baker Mayfield-led Rams, who at 5-11 and 11 now, cue the Spurrier soundbite, 5-11, and 11, not too good. <laughs> um, oh, I looked for the Spurrier soundbite on the fly, couldn't find it. Uh, they have set a new record for the fewest wins uh, in post-Super Bowl winning history. So in other words, with uh, their record, talk about a hangover, mega hangover. Uh, 5-11 and 11 means they have the fewest or the most losses, not the fewest wins, but the most losses ever by a defending Super Bowl champion. They could get to six wins, the Rams, which would tie them for the previous low win total after a Super Bowl victory by the Denver Broncos, who went 6-10 in 1999, one year after they won Super Bowl XXXIII in Miami when John Elway said, you know what, this Cowboy's going to ride off into the sunset. And they went with Bubby Brister, and, well, they sucked. So the Rams of Baker Mayfield have to beat the Seahawks for the Lions to have a chance. What are the odds, you say, of that happening? And I think the answer is probably 50-50. The the, the Seahawks are not some world-beating team, even though Geno Smith is now 3-0 against his three former teams. He played them all this year. The Geno revenge tour is complete and probably at his best game against the team that drafted him, the Jets and the team that had a teammate knock his lights out in the lunchroom. (laughs) Uh, Not a good time in in, uh, New York. But to Geno's credit, it's not like he played that up and was making a big deal of it, like, I really want to stick it to him. He's just had a great year. That's one of the great stories of this year is that Geno Smith has been quite good, and they are on the verge of the playoffs, but still may fall short. So what are the odds? What are the odds? What are the odds? What are the odds of these underdog teams, these got nothing to play for teams winning in week number 18. The answer is it happens more than you think. The uh, line, by the way, in the game is six and a half. Seattle minus six and a half. There's no guarantee, even the game is at home, that they win. Because weird shit can and does happen. Let's start by going just to last year. When was the last time, I often say, so-and-so happened? Do you remember what happened in week 18 of last year? The Jaguars at 3-14 and with an interim coach in Daryl Bevel who had taken over for the gropey, feely, dirty old man that was Urban Meyer, guided the the Jaguars to a stunning 
26-11 to 11 upset of the Indianapolis Colts who had everything to play for. Win and they're in. And they beat them at 3-14. and 14. And who was the quarterback that day for the Colts? Oh, Carson Wentz. He was bad. Not, even, not as bad as he was for the Commanders on Sunday, but he, he was 17-29 that day. 185 yards, a touchdown, a pick, and they shit the bed. It was so bad that according to the narrative that I read, and those who are, Indy can, who are in Indianapolis can correct me on this or give me some backstory if I've missed a part, that, you know, they were like, fuck, we lost. I can't believe we choked against the Jaguars who in, win and we're in and we fucked it up. And Frank Reich was like, well, okay, you know, we'll, we'll try harder next year. And, you know, Carson Wentz is our quarterback, and I like a lot of the things that he did. He was hurt this year, but we're going to get him hell. And it was sort of after this realization a day or so later that Jim Ursay, the pill-popping, guitar-strumming, silver spoon jam straight up his ass owner, was like, uh-uh, uh, no. That guy, get out, Carson Wentz. That it was Ursay who told Reich, no fucking way are we going back to Carson Wentz. Bad juju. Not a good quarterback. Choked in the biggest moment. I couldn't believe that yesterday I forgot to mention that the Carson Wentz shitting the bed when everything was on the line happened just last year, and it was so bad, so egregious, that that Jim Ursay treated Wentz like the Toby Flenderson of the team and overruled the head coach and said, get out. So that was last year alone. It does happen. 2019. The 5-11 and Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick stunned Tom Brady and the Patriots in Miami in Week 18, or in Week 17, I should say. 27-24, your final score, denying Belichick and company a first-round bye. That was Brady's last year in New England. These upsets happen. 2017, M&T Bank Stadium. 6-9 and Bengals, nothing to play for against 9-6 and Baltimore. It's 27-24, Ravens leading. They've got the Bengals and Andy Dalton down to 4th and 12 at midfield. And then this happens. The Bengals need 12 yards to keep this drive alive and to give Bullock a possible shot for a game-tying field goal. Dalton's had success throwing to Tyler Boyd out of the slot. He's got single coverage right now. Green for sure will be doubled at the bottom of the screen. Dan Fouts with the call. I don't know why this is only left channel. Fourth down. Dalton steps up. Dalton throws. It's complete. Comfort Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Touchdown. Remarkable. The Cincinnati Bengals have stunned this crowd. The great Iron Eagle with the call there. Again, I don't know why that was left channel only. It's the vagaries of the internet and audio. I apologize for that. But there. There was another one where it's like they got nothing to play for. Why would they possibly win? Well, they did. The mother of all of these, of course, was back in 2003. Sorry, Viking fans. Minnesota 17, Arizona 12 in the desert. Three seconds to go. Cardinals have the ball at the 27-yard line. Josh McCown finds Nathan Poole in the corner of the end zone. Here's Paul Allen. Here it is. The season's on the line. Two receivers left and right. McCown takes the snap. He steps up. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. Caught! 
Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. Of course, that play was only ruled a touchdown because Poole was knocked out of the back of the end zone or the back side of the end zone. And the force-out rule was still a thing in the NFL where it said that a receiver had to be allowed to come down naturally if he jumps in the air to catch a ball near the boundary and get his feet in, and that if he's pushed out and the referee in his discretion believes that the push-out caused the play to be out of bounds, he could award a catch, or in this case, a touchdown. Uh, I know Paul Allen is not everybody's cup of tea, and many Packer fans are like, fuck that guy, trash-talking, Homer McFanboy. Okay, I guess I'm obligated to hate Paul Allen. I don't hate him because I love and appreciate the craft of play-by-play, and it's rare that a guy like him is given the kind of free reign to be as critical of his own team in such painful moments as that. Then there was 2016. On the first day of 2017, January 1, Landover, Maryland. I was there with one account, Johnny Rhodes and his boys, all three of them. Carson and his twins. Giants are 10-5. and five. They've got nothing to play for. The Redskins are 9-6. and six. They've got everything to play for. They are losing to a Giants team that did start and played Eli Manning all game long, but they played very conservatively in the second half. Still, down only three and driving with plenty of time to go. Over a minute and a half. Kirk Cousins drops back first and 10. That's the most egregious thing. First and 10, he made this throw at the plus 43-yard line, and it was an Antonio rogers Cromarty disaster. Cousins. Dominique Rodgers. Cromarty. Intercepted by Dominique Rogers Cromarty. And that could very well end the year for Washington. And it sure did end the year when it was all said and done. But yes, the Giants had nothing to play for. And yet they still won. Do you want more examples of this? Well, good. I've got more examples. 2012, this, the Giants had scored 52 on the Saints to go 8-5 and five on the year with three games left. They then lost the next week 34 to nothing to the Falcons. What? They lost again the next week 33 to 14 to the Ravens. They won in week 17, but it was not enough as they finished 9 and 7 out of the playoffs. This despite a plus 85 point differential and the sixth best offense in the NFL. Lesson of the story, the NFL is weird. You go from scoring 52 one week to getting shut out the following week. And you're like, we're 8-5. Just win one more game. We're probably in. Two more games. Easy. Not so easy. 2004 Buffalo Bills, they had won six in a row. They beat the Niners 41-7 to in the second-to-last week of the season. Then they catch a Steelers team in Buffalo, resting Big Ben at 14-1. and Talk about having nothing to play for, the Steelers. They're resting their starting quarterback. They're 14-1. and They've got everything locked up. The Bills are hot as shit. They've won six straight. Do I need to tell you what happened? They lost. They lost to Tommy Maddox 29-24. to 2010 San Diego Chargers had a plus 119 point differential. Think about these point diffs when it comes to the Vikings currently who are 12-4 and four and minus 23 or something like that. The Chargers in 2010 had a plus 119 margin, but were only eight and six. Still with two games to go, 
They end up losing by two touchdowns in the second to last week of the year to the 4-12 and 12 Bengals who had, say it with me, nothing to play for. Missed the playoffs. 2002 Miami Dolphins, they blew an 11-point fourth-quarter lead to the Patriots to lose the division and miss the playoffs entirely. I couldn't tell if the Patriots that year had nothing to play for going in, but the Patriots, despite the win, also missed the playoffs. And so, therefore, the Dolphins and the Pats missed the playoffs. The Jets won the division that year at 9-7. and seven. So, the lesson of the story is, Let's stop counting chickens, and let's just see what happens on Sunday in week number 18. Some interesting stats that I found here from the good folks at uh, CBSSports.com. Let me give them credit where credit is most certainly due, because I did not research these on my own. This is from the CBS Sports Stats and Research Department. Patrick Mahomes is now thrown for 5,000 yards. He's at 5,048. Second time in his career, he's hit five grand. He's now one of just three quarterbacks in NFL history, along with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, to have thrown for 5,000 yards or more on more than one season. And I don't think he's done doing it. Do you? Mahomes still owns the Broncos. He's 11-0 now, career against Denver. Tied for the most wins against one team without a loss. The other quarterback to hit that mark was Andrew Luck, who went 11-0 out of the gate and I think for his career against the Titans before he retired. Speaking of the Broncos, they've requested official permission to speak to one Jim Harbaugh of the now out-of-the-postseason college football playoffs. Jim Harbaugh, I mean, the rumors about him going back to the pros have been around for quite a while. Will he take the Denver job? Too tough to say. It's unknown how much money the Walton family and their infinity money may decide to throw at Jim Harbaugh to get him to come back to the pros. I know this. <laughs> Be easy for him to walk right back to the bosses at Michigan and go, well, you know, you are paying me $7 million a year. Eight, I don't know what he's getting at Michigan. It's a lot. He's earning every penny of it because he's restored Michigan football to a level that it hasn't seen in since Bo Schembechler, basically. So he's going to get a raise one way or the other. To coin Jim Harbaugh in his favorite phrase, who's got it better than us? Nobody. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Nobody. Tom Brady threw for three touchdowns and also rushed for one against Carolina, but had the four, touch, the four touchdowns, meaning three thrown, one pat, one rushing. Ties him with Drew Brees for the most games with that combination in NFL history. That's uh, three. This is the ninth time he's done that. Three, three throwing, and one rushing. Speaking of that, <laughs> Tom Brady was took to Twitter today to chastise those fantasy football players who might have benched Mike Evans, who also had a statistical. Mark set this week. Let me give you his statistical mark. Uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans has now joined the 1K club again. His 207 yards against the Panthers has him at 1124 on the year. It's the ninth straight year he's caught for 1,000 yards. Ninth straight. 
tied for second longest in NFL history. And I know the passing numbers keep going up and up and the inflation is real, but the only guy ahead of him now is Jerry Rice, who did it 11 straight times. The whole Mike Evans as a Hall of Famer argument is going to be weird, to say the least. But Brady went to Twitter to tweak people's noses about, hey, how come you uh, benched Mike Evans? What's wrong with you? You should know this guy shows up for the big games, man. Come on now. Right, Tommy boy? To the victor goes the trash talk. So if you guys benched Mike Evans in your fantasy football playoffs, you ought to go home and take a long look in the mirror. That was an unbelievable game. NFC South champs, we did it the hard way. So proud of our team, our coaches, our organization, and you guys, the fans. But we know we got more to go. LFG on to 2023. Can't wait. All right, there's some stupid music thing there. By the way, Brady's avatar on Twitter is a picture of a sculpture of his head and his magnificent hair. <laughs> oh, that cocky son of a bitch. I'd probably, if I had the hair like that, if I was Tom Brady, I'd probably do the same thing. What's your avatar? Oh, it's a statue of me. Now, where, where's the statue? It's in my living room, as a matter of fact. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Running back Jarek McKinnon for the Chiefs has now caught a touchdown in five straight games, which is the longest streak for a running back in more than 70 years. The last guy to do it was Bill Dudley back in 47. Yes, Bill Dudley. 1940. Can you imagine what a 1947 highlight would look like in the NFL? I don't even know if there was highlights in 1947. Uh, bonus prize for anybody who finds me a Bill Dudley running back touchdown pass catch in 1947. The Eagles, despite gacking against the Saints and now having to put it on and play hard and win in week 18 against the Cowboys, uh, Jalen Hurts likely to come back. They recorded six sacks in their loss against the Saints. That means they've now got at least six sacks in five straight games. That's an NFL record. And they also have four players this season who have recorded at least 10 sacks, making them the first team to have four players with double-digit sacks since they started keeping track of the sack as an official stat. Yes, hop up on Uncle, Uncle Stevie's knee here. No, get, don't be weird. But you youngins, here's something you need to know. The NFL didn't keep track of sacks until like 1978. They just didn't think it was a remarkable play. Like, oh, great, you tackled the quarterback when he was trying to pass. Well, that's nice. It's a tackle. 
It's no big, it's no big deal. It's no different than just a, a tackle. Now everyone knows it's one of the most coveted things. It's a drive stopper. It is a huge defensive mark, and the Eagles are getting after people, but their offense has hit the ditch without Lane Johnson. Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions, rookie, second overall pick, has recorded his third interception of the year last week. That's tied for the most by any defensive lineman in the Super Bowl era for a season. He's also the only player in the entire NFL this year who has at least five sacks and three interceptions, so he's having a pretty good rookie year. Let's talk Bears for a second. The Bears lost their ninth straight game on Sunday. They are likely to be no worse than the number two pick in the draft. There are at least two highly coveted, salivated over quarterbacks coming out this year in the draft. They think they've got their guy in Justin Fields. Would they pawn that number two pick to somebody else for a ransom? Hell, they were the ones who bought the number one, number two pick for a ransom a couple times ago with Mitch Trubisky. The question is, do you really think Fields is the guy? How can you say that, Zabe? Of course he's the guy. He's the guy because everyone keeps saying he's the guy, but did you see his passing numbers from Sunday? They were abysmal. It was like 7 for 15 for 75 yards. He did rush for a lot of yards. That's what Justin Fields is currently great at. 105 yards during the first quarter alone against the Lions. Most that any quarterback has rushed for in a single quarter since 1975. He's now got 1,143 rushing yards, second most in NFL history for a quarterback, trailing only Lamar Jackson's 1,206 in 2019. So he is a mere 64 yards away from the single-season quarterback rushing yard mark, which I don't know if you want that or not, but... There it is. Oh, yeah, the nine-game losing streak? It's the longest in the Bears' 102-year history. Ufa. The Packers got a kick return touchdown and a pick six touchdown. That's redundant. A pick six against the Vikings, marking the first time since 67. They've had both a kick return touchdown and an INT return touchdown. So that's pretty cool, longer than I've been alive. Uh, Josh Metellus for the Vikings blocked a Packers punt. He's done that now two weeks in a row. First guy to block a punt two weeks in a row since 1995. And like I said, the uh, Rams have set a new record for most losses for a post-Super Bowl winning team. So just some nuggets there to chew on. All right, let's get some email in here. Always appreciate the feedback. We'll make Tuesday's email day. This one from Rob Walters. Zabe, I'm sure you have 50 or more emails and texts already. I've seen the memes on this Tutty mascot. Everyone in the stands has no idea what a Tutty was. And as you often say, if you have to explain it, not a great idea. And despite the crowd being home team positive, nobody clapped and nobody cheered for Tutty. I thought Tutty, which you said was slang for TD, was a stretch. But really, no one did a simple internet search for other potential uses of the word, Tutty. Yes, the first nickname under Urban Dictionary for Tutty, T-U-D-D-Y, a touchdown in American football, as in, yo, bro, put down your, put down, put down your bud heavy and go long for a Tutty. Put down your bud heavy, uh, bud heavy? I don't know what that is. Uh, tutty, the buttocks, also called butt 
or bum, British term, or arse, British as well. My grandma used to call a butt a tutty, it says on Urban Dictionary. Here's one for you, Wisconsinites. A person who is who lives within a 20-mile radius of Taylor, Wisconsin. You're a tutty. Yeah, that guy is such a tutty. <laughs> I had no idea. Another definition of tutty, someone who exhibits too much attitude towards others. Like, yeah, even on a good day, Bill is a tutty towards his coworkers. Another one for tutty, this one spelled I-E, a fine-ass, dark-skinned ass boy with a big-ass beep. <laughs> that tutty's so effing fine, there he go. Damn. Tutty. Uh, Jamaican tan tutty is, uh, I don't even know what that is, can't read it. Uh, tall, handsome, athletic is another version for Tutty. There's a lot of versions. The mascot's for kids. Okay, I get it. But I objected to the the Tutty mascot has a big, gooey, middle-aged, fat guy belly. The likes of which I unfortunately see on a regular basis every morning. I don't need to see that in the mascot. Make the mascot trim and athletic. Give it. Give the kids something to live up to. Give them something to go, wow, look at that guy. He looks. That mascot looks like a superhero of sorts. A lot of people chirping me, asking me, ripping me about me being in Packers gear and at Lambeau and everything else. Some people are slow to understand the fact that I don't work in the D.C. market and radio anymore. And they also think that I'm a traitor of sorts. Uh, Tom Friend, excellent writer, formerly of the Washington Post, I think also wrote for Sports Illustrated. I think I've had him on the podcast once before. He on Twitter was like, man, oh, man. You abandoned your hometown team faster than you can say whatever. He seemed to be a little bit disappointed in me. Others are saying, you know, oh, yeah, I used to be a Redskins fan. The Redskins died, okay? If the name still existed, if the logo still still existed, I would probably be clinging to dual citizenship right now. I would say, of course, I'm a Packer fan, and of course, it's tied to my work to be heavily involved and root for and essentially be a Packer fan, but I am not going to give up my native citizenship of the team that I grew up loving. But they died. The logo is gone. The name is gone. The tradition and the history is soon to be erased piece by piece, moment by moment. You watch. It's happening. And so, therefore, there's nothing to root for. My friends who are still there that root for the team because of the geography and it's the only team they got and they're loyal – that's great. I wish you the best. It's a tough deal, though, because you're so need to fire Ron Rivera, and you can't do it this offseason because there's going to be an ownership change. John Wollersheim on email says, Dearest Steez, the family and I happened to be in Atlanta for New Year's Eve for a post-Christmas getaway. A few days before we left, I realized, hey, George is playing Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, so we promptly bought tickets so we could see a heavyweight match in person something you rarely get a chance to see as a Badger fan. All right, good. With Georgia trailing, though, 38-24 at the end of the third, we ailed the game and made it back to the hotel bar to watch the comeback and have champagne in hand by midnight with a raucous home crowd. Best decision ever. Always leave early, at least most of the time. Loyal 1%er Joe 
Wollersheim sent me pictures of as well. Uh, that stadium and that city was the site of my greatest ale. I ailed the Super Bowl at halftime. The worst Super Bowl ever with the Patriots prevailing over the Rams 10-7, 10-3, something like that. Lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. Worst halftime show ever. And I left at halftime because I was like, I got to have it on my resume that I ailed the Super Bowl, for God's sakes. This one from Stuart Verdery. Per your comment on Brady never having played a game while eliminated from playoff contention, never started a game while uh, without, well, outside of playoff contention, the same is true for Mike Tomlin as coach. Even the years where the Steelers were only 8-8 eight eight or 9-7, they were never actually eliminated until the final week. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's never going to be matched again, and he pulled it off for one more year because the Vikings are, or excuse me, the uh, Steelers are still alive. Bishop Steele says, Zabe, oh, this is Quincy, is, says Bishop Steele, just, oh, never mind. Uh, Zabe, loyal 10%er here. Wait, is that loyal? Loyal 10%er here and follower of your DC radio career. I just wanted to correct you on something. You've mentioned Ron Rivera and his service record in the military. Well, guess what? He was not in the military, not ever. His father was a commissioned Army officer, but Ron never served. He went to Cal, and his life has been football and coaching ever since. He gets too much credit for this military man when he, in fact, isn't one. He's a coach who thinks his shit don't stink, even though he's been a losing coach in both places he has been. Just wanted to set the record straight. Keep up the good work, Quincy. You're right, Quincy. I have fallen for this, and I keep saying this because I'm sloppy and lazy and make mistakes. Yeah, he's not military. His father is. But boy, does he kind of wrap himself in the glow of it. I'm not saying he is a stolen valor guy or anything that bad, but it's just it's a bit too much. This one from Connor in Toledo, Ohio. Zabe, recent one percenter here. I just listened to you and Mr. X discussing the rewarding the best team in college in the playoffs versus the team that has, quote, earned it in college football. Well, what do you think of the fact that unlike the NFL, which is a professional entertainment business and strives for parity and entertainment value, supposedly the NCAA is about having kids in college playing football in addition to, you know, going to class. Instead of trying to make it the best TV spectacle possible, I don't see what was so bad about the NCAA just playing in their conferences, having a handful of meaningful bowl games, and the Associated Press or somebody else ranking the teams at the end of the year to determine who's number one. The NCAA should be trying to protect the purity of college football and making it as easy as possible for students to participate while working on their classes in education, not simply maximizing TV revenue. Is this email real, Connor? Connor, have you warped in from 1976 or something? That horse is so far out of the barn. <laughs> and it's getting worse by the minute with this transfer portal and nil rights and collectives and free agency money and everything else, my God. And it's only going to get worse with the 12-team playoff. It's going to become NFL Junior, if it isn't already. Maybe I'm wishing for something that's long dead and can't exist in the modern world. Enjoy the premium content. Keep up the great work, Connor, in Toledo, Ohio. Thank you, Connor. God bless you. And yes, you are, you are wishing for people to wear suits again on airplanes when they travel. 
you are wishing to bring back the corded rotary telephone that sits in your family room or in your kitchen. And that's the only time you ever talk to people. You are wishing for drive-in movie theaters to make a sudden rally and a comeback where you could have a canoodling night with your girl and maybe get to second base if you're lucky. You're wishing for something that I'm sorry to say is long since dead. Then there's this one, last email, and then we'll wrap it for today. Matthew Nelson writes to say, Zabe, 20 years? Has it really been since I've known you on the radio? I found you on Sports Radio 1400 in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It started with JT the Brick on Fox. Then I found myself really looking forward to the Tim Ryan show, believe it or not. Uh, Tim Ryan was a nice guy. Did a good job. Former NFL player. Nearly died at the Super Bowl one year. Had some weird infection. They went to the hospital. They did something to him that didn't work out. And it was like, holy shit, Tim Ryan might die. He didn't, though. Thank God for that. Only to transition to a morning shift at the factory. And that's when I found you, my friend. My dose was limited by my commute time. Ah, yes, the quaint times in which you caught your radio personalities that you liked only whenever you could. And the content they were spewing out of their pie holes was out and gone forever. Thank you for being there at that time. So much radio talent has come and gone since then. However, the absence of your voice left me a void. It was disappointing when searching for your content online. I didn't notice a podcast. I kept checking and kept checking, and finally, it had materialized. Well, I don't know when you were checking, but I've been doing this podcast now for three full years? Four? I don't even remember how many. It's been a while. The years fly by. I think it's ultimately why the commitment to you, asks Matthew Nelson, I think it's ultimately your integrity to yourself and the craft. It's your refusal to settle for good enough. I like hearing that you talk about things you're passionate about. With that in mind, don't hesitate to produce a golf content podcast all 52 weeks of the year. The Capital Golf Gang is you, Zabe, in all of your glory. I would listen year-round. After all, how am I supposed to put together a Christmas list without a roundtable discussion? I'm content with all your guests. Sure, I've got favorites like everybody and those I don't quite like so much, but that's no matter so long as you are engaged. Recently, a guest mentioned Anne Rand on the show, and I'd like to recommend to you the book Atlas Shrugged. It's a monster of a novel and a great audio book to listen to. I suspect you would experience the gambit of reactions listening to her masterpiece. I have not read nor listened on audiobook, Atlas Shrugged. I know what it's about. I know that I am in full alignment with all of the themes and concepts therein. And I probably should do that. But yes, I'm well aware of it. And yes, that's I agree with all that shit. To recap, continue to discuss the things you're interested in and passionate about. Stay true to yourself. I don't mind rolling my eyes to your more ridiculous takes. I have those debates with my father-in-law sometimes. Having mentioned Tim Ryan above, I'd like to ask you if you could pursue him as a guest. I really liked his show. Thank you, Matt Nelson. I will pursue Mr. Ryan and say, Rhino, what you doing? Please, God, I hope he's alive. You know, we're all getting up there in age. I hope he's well and alive and doing something. I will find out where he is. All right, that's it for me tonight. I'm going to go watch the Bengals and the Bills. It's going to be a crackerjack game on Monday Night Football. And then... We buckle in for week 18, the final week of the National Football League. Thanks for listening. Rate and review if you do have a second. It helps please 
our algorithmic overlords. And remember, we are all just slaves to the algorithm. So I thank you for that. Tell a friend or two that I am alive and podcasting every day or at least five days a week, giving it my full best effort to give you the best quality content that I can. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to work, you slackers, and we will see you next time. We'll fly like rain on the sun today, like a million dollars that you're giving away, like a slave dog.